amplify her voice is for women who want to break through the glass ceiling. We want to celebrate their successes, elevate their voices, and tackle the challenges that they face. We share stories and talk about challenges because our shared experience can lift others up. I'm your host, Megan Conahan, and this is Amplify Her Voice. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Sarah Martinez Noriega, and I'm the VP of HR at Direct Agents. And I'm super excited to be guest hosting today on Amplify Her Voice uh, while Megan is away on maternity leave. So super excited and um, even more so to be chatting with Elizabeth Varghese today. Uh, she's the global business leader and people technology strategist at IBM, amongst so many other things that you do. So welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you, Sarah. I'm delighted to be here and uh, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so why don't we actually start off with you giving us a little bit of more background on your professional and, and personal uh, life and career? Because like I said, you do so much. Um, so, you know, I work in consulting, right? As you mentioned, I work at IBM and I've really worked at the intersection of management consulting on the you know the people arena but with a heavy layer and emphasis of technology and that that emphasis i think really has increased over the years as we found that uh, you know technology has become much more ubiquitous in our lives helping us do everything in our personal and professional life so the work i've been doing has is increasingly you know helped uh, integrate technology into our work processes into our organizations into our hr functions into the talent ecosystem um, and, you know, really beyond that into the, the overall employee experience. So I, I really work at that intersection. And it's a great time to be in this space because, um, you know, we've observed this shift in strategy in the, mm-hmm. you know, in the past, maybe five or 10 years ago, businesses and organizations would sit down and craft their business strategy and then think about the technology and, you know, ways to enable that strategy. So we've really flipped all of that in the past decade where, you know, your strategy is really determined by the possibilities and the capabilities of the technology that you adopt. So to that extent, anything that we can imagine with technology you know, should be integrated into your strategy, or you know, as relevant, of course. So I, I think to that extent, it's um, it, it's a great, very interesting time. And then I think if you add on the the aspect of a better understanding of the implications of talent and the criticality of people and their engagement in business success, uh, it's kind of the creation of a perfect storm um, of interest, challenge, um, and just, you know, lots of uh, uh, cool stuff happening. So that's the space I work in. And uh, I I just, I I love doing that. That's all I've done in my professional career, really working, you know, at that intersection with strategy, people, technology. And uh, I I live in New York City on the Upper West Side, right by the park, um, with my two kids, two daughters, and um, a a dog, uh, who's a big part of our family, uh, (laughs) my husband, all of us, uh, dote on him. So his name is Chutney, and he's a Yorkie. So um, that's that's kind of my background here. Oh, he's very lucky to live so close to a park. (laughs) The giant, the, most, the yes. biggest part. <laughs> um, well, that's that's amazing. Um, yeah, I saw that, like you said, this is what you've done your entire career. What led you to be so interested in that intersection between people, technology, and these HR strategies? 
Sure, that's a great question. So, you know, my basic degree is actually in science, in pharmaceutical sciences. And back in the day, in the 90s, uh, in the early 90s, actually, uh, when I was getting my undergrad degree in India, I did my internship um, on the shop floor of Boots Pharmaceuticals. And it was during that time that I, you know, while observing how drug and medicine manufacturing worked, it really helped me understand that at the heart of everything we do in business, you know, especially in that situation around, you know, the quality of mm-hmm. medicines, of packaging, uh, the QA tests that happened, everything really hinges upon the employee and what they bring to the table. That was you know, an eye-opening experience for me because it helped me see that um, people are at the heart of all business, all endeavor. And if I am able to, you know, make an impact in the people space, that's really something that is compelling and, um, you know, long term. It it helps organizations, it helps employees, and it helps the community at large. So that's kind of what piqued my interest in this space. And then, you know, I got my master's degree in uh, human resources, and um, I've always been in this space ever since. That's amazing. I think um, I I think that's great that you kind of found that path very early on, and and I think it just uh, speaks to. I know you call yourself a futurist, and I actually had to look that up because I was like, I'm not familiar with the term the futurist. But it seems like from a very early stage, you were able to kind of just see see a path moving forward, um, which I think is amazing. I I would honestly say that I feel like it's been more recent that more companies are seeing that what you truly need to succeed is, you know, take a good look at, at your people and how you're leveraging um, your talent. Um, and I think in the second half of, of 2021 definitely showed us a big switch in, in power dynamics um, with what everyone's calling the great resignation, right? With, um, people resigning at, at such high volumes that we hadn't really experienced before. Um, but in speaking with you um, last week, you you mentioned um, calling this the great reckoning. So I wanted to uh, just pick your brain a little bit and ask you why, why the difference in nomenclature, why the great reckoning over the great resignation? So, you know, I think the, the first part of it is that I think that the term resignation is so negative. It's mm-hmm. so um, it's sad, right? It shows that um, we really haven't understood the implications of what is happening. So it's a misnomer, uh, I think fundamentally. So I just want to you know state that, right? Mm-hmm. What has happened during the pandemic and even before, actually, you know, for the past four or five years, for folks who have been listening and understanding what's really happening in the market is a reevaluation, a reckoning of what is really important to people and businesses, right? Mm-hmm. So businesses and organizations have increasingly come to understand that people are at the heart of it. You have to, you know, engage your people. You have to help them innovate. You have to help them, you know, uh, find meaning and purpose in their work. So that was, there was universal acknowledgement of that even before the pandemic. And then what the pandemic showed us was that, you know, there were lots of tropes and paradigms that were again incorrect around you know distance and location and how work gets done right Right. so this this trend that or you know just a dynamic that was in our society in our work organizations already uh, did not deserve to be called the great resignation right so I I just want to you know go out there and say that Um, the, the truth is that the pandemic 
encouraged and enabled people to really think about what was meaningful to them. It helped them, you know, recognize the the, the true requirements that for the work that they were doing. It helped organizations really crystallize how work needed to be done, right? So mm-hmm. it forced everyone to reevaluate, reassess, reckon with the true implications of work as you know, not, not not in anything new, but in a way that you know had been playing out for a while already. So to that extent, you know, I'm I think it's important for us to look at this as a logical conclusion to that's something that's been happening. It's something positive. It's something that we have to look at with optimism because it's something that has always existed and has fueled how people have worked and been engaged in organizations. So, you know, I I use the word reckoning to emphasize the fact that it is a logical process. It is, you know, it's something that is positive. It's something that people are thinking through. And it has it has opportunity for both organizations and individuals to find the best, most optimal path for how they do their work. And, you know, I think of examples that, you know, I think we probably are all familiar with, um, you know, back pre-pandemic, for example, you know, there were financial services companies who would never let people work from home, right? Mm-hmm. Unthinkable for security reasons, for compliance reasons. But right. come March 15th in New York City, you know, monitors were packed and shipped to basements in Westport and, you know, uh, uh, patios in Westchester and people were trading from their backyards and bedrooms. And work and life was still continuing. Of course, you know, lots of people went through tremendous amount of pain and suffering, um, you know, acknowledging all of that, right? But what it showed us that we really had to challenge our thinking around where and how work gets done. So um, I I just say all of this because I think it, you know, it forced us to acknowledge something we already knew, something that we were already challenging and have, you know, ourselves with. And I think the outcome of all of that is, you know, at the end of this all, there is going to be positivity. There is going to be, you know, good things coming out of the way we've been really, you know, forced to reckon with how we do our, our life's best work. Yeah, I I agree with you 100%. I almost feel like calling it the great resignation almost makes it um, something that's happening passively, something that we don't have any uh, agency in, which I 100% disagree with. Um, I love the great reckoning. I've also been thinking of another R word, reset, um, because people are resetting their values, right? They're they're thinking what really truly matters to me. And I think as companies, we also need to do a reset and we have to figure out, okay, like you said, it's an opportunity. What what are the values that we want to you know put into place now as we move forward? Um, and and with that, I'd just I'd love to ask you what can you know what would you suggest that companies do to start rebuilding those cultures and and retain talent? That's a really good question, right? Because organizations and you know companies right so whether they're public or private or you know corporates mm-hmm. um or you know nonprofits and or groups of individuals working together all of which have become much more feasible these days right the the level of collaboration across geographies across um you know time zones has just accelerated with everything we've seen during the pandemic right now i would 
think, and I think most people would agree with me, that in many ways, none of that is new. It's not that, you know, when the pandemic hit, that that was the first time people were conscious of these things, right? We were on this journey already where there was, you know, the increasing ability of technology to allow us to collaborate, to allow us to be in different places, to connect to the world on our phones, right? Mm -hmm. That was already in existence. What was not, um, I think, examined as closely were the, the beliefs or the or the assumptions we made around the boundaries of, you know, where work gets done or how it gets done. Now, the pandemic, you know, helped us see all of that, right? So in that context, uh, organizations really need to think about how do they maintain a culture or that they that might be, you know, important to them, whatever the attributes of that culture might be. It might mm -hmm. be innovation, it might be collaboration, it might be, you know, bringing the best thinking to bear irrespective of geography or location. And, you know, uh, understanding the the true requirements of what it takes to make that culture work, right? So examining those requirements of where you want to be, the, your vision as an enterprise, as an organization, the cultural attributes, and then thinking about, you know, most creatively how you can make that happen without any constraints because technology has taken all of those away. So I think looking at, you know, some of those requirements in a much more uh, fundamental way is very important. Um, and then when you really think about some of the other, I would say, trends or dynamics we've been working through anyway, you know, the rise of gig work, um, the, the rise of, um, you know, skill-based jobs, the, the rise of, you know, credentialing and um, ways to, you know, tap into talent well, irrespective of geography, right? So when you think of all of those um those drivers or those uh, you know forces at play within within uh, the world of business and the world of work um, it, it really can you know allow organizations to also look at you know how are we really using these levers to ensure more flexibility how are we you know looking at finding the best talent and uh, how are we maybe decoupling things like degrees from skills right so lots of different ways or opportunities for organizations to examine what are the attributes of the culture we need and what's the best way un unconstrained right to to make all of that happen and then um really ensuring that we provide the tools and mechanisms to engage talent to you know keep that culture alive and keep that way of working um in a, you know in a way that is meaningful and sustainable for the organization and the employee I think one um, area that I, I know is often of concern, you know, when when organizations are talking about uh, employees being in remote and not really being able to sometimes gauge what the engagement is like. Um, obviously, the day-to-day the -day work is happening, but what makes it sticky, right? What makes you loyal to a company? Um, what makes you truly satisfied at work, happy at work? Um, can you talk a little bit about um, the technology that uh, organizations should be leveraging to be able to, you know, make sure that this is happening, uh, maybe feel a little more at ease? 
Sure, sure. Um, you know, so th- there's lots of technology available. So I'll, let me just kind of preface right uh, my my thoughts with that. Um, I think what we found is that technology has helped us uh, and helped employees have these expectations around the employee experience that really mimic the consumer experience, right? So employees are, you know, thinking and expecting you know, their learning processes, for example, to be as easy as Netflix, right? Mm. Know how mm-hmm. I like to learn, serve up content in ways that I like to learn and listen. You know, I like to listen to podcasts on the subway. So, you know, serve me up learning that I can listen to on the subway, right? So that customization and personalization of content, right? So that consumer grade experience or think of the way, you know, we shop at Amazon, right? Amazon might, you know, they're using algorithms to track what we need when we run out of toilet paper or detergent or whatever that might be. And employees are asking, why can't my organization understand what I need from a work perspective, right? So why can't I have a customized experience? So now that's a trend again is something that we've been seeing pre-pandemic, which has forced organizations to look at how do we create that consumer grade employee experience? So when it comes to the role of technology in doing that, you know, there's a whole host of slew of things, right, um, related to one, creating that experience in different parts of, of work and the talent ecosystem, right, for candidates or for employees moving through the organization or for employees filling out their expenses or, you know, working in accounts payable, right? So AI, artificial intelligence and virtual agents can help transform all of that. The second thing that, you know, we're seeing uh, related to technology and how it can help all of this happen is the use of data um, and the, you know, the mining of data and information to make those connections, right? Because, you know, just if you go back to the Netflix or the Amazon example, if you want that kind of relevancy or personalization of content within the organization, you need data sets, right, about the employee and what they need, what they've learned uh, in order to be able to serve them back that information. Um, and then, you know, the, the the other aspect of it related to all of that is, you know, there is the employee experience. There's also the component of the employee voice, um, which is really important for organizations to understand how they can use technology to listen to employees more actively, ensure there are forums and ways to collaborate and share their inputs, talk about what's important to them, uh, and, and really understand where employees, you know, where their heads really at as, as things progress throughout the workday or the work year. So, you know, it's the employee experience and data and, and um, listening to them. And then, you know, equally and importantly, and um, I guess tying it all together, you know, are those aspects of security and access, which kind of go hand in hand, because again, technology can help you know, you access information anywhere, it can provide levels of access and then ensuring that there is optimal, you know, security protocols uh, will ensure that organizations will actually be interested and feel comfortable in providing that good employee experience and, you know, access to data and listening to the employee voice. So I think those would be the the components to really understand, you know, how how you can um, use and leverage. Yeah, that's amazing. I think um, thinking about it as a consumer experience is so important. Um, I, I think, I mean, it just, it seems like a no-brainer, <laughs> but it's interesting that we do have to retool, you know, the way that we are approaching, um, you know, these people that are so vital to to making our organizations run. Um, now you have a new book coming, um, actually not coming out, it was just released, um, called 
blockchain reaction, the future of how we live and work. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, the book and why you felt it was uh, important to write. So, you know, in the words of great, the great Toni Morrison, right, if the, a book you want to read doesn't uh, exist, you, you must write it. Mm. So I think in some ways, uh, you know, th this book, um, I was inspired to write it because I've been talking about the, you know, the, the implications and the applications of blockchain um, in the world of work and in talent ecosystems for close to five years now. Now, um, the, the truth is that, you know, the, the narrative around blockchain technology has been very unilaterally focused on crypto and finance. And there, mm -hmm. you know, there really has not been as much understanding or cognizance of how the technology can actually have lots of utility in other areas, right? So, um, and um, as I started talking about this, gosh, for, for a while now, um, I had found that there really was not really a lot of understanding about, you know, on this topic and what we can do with all of it. So, um, you know, that that's kind of what, you know, inspired me to put down things I've been writing and doing podcasts about for a while now. Um, and the, 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 the book really focuses on solving um, or, you know, helping articulate how we can solve the problems of access and um, validation of skills and credentials around the world by using technology like blockchain. Um, and I, you know, I, I talk about how we can apply blockchain um, across the talent ecosystem in looking for validated skills, in you know, looking for talent, um, no matter where they sit, in looking at career development and contingent staffing. And because blockchain technology, you know, provides immutability and, you know, provenance and decentralization, it can really become a great platform and an enabler for us to access talent, the best talent, no matter where they sit. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm very optimistic that what I describe as the, as the universal talent exchange comes to fruition in a way that really allows uh, the best and the brightest from around the world, no matter where they sit, to contribute and participate, you know, in our global economy um, for both, you know, their benefit and for the benefit of organizations that can then tap into their skills. I'd assume that this kind of process would also help eliminate, um, you know, those inherent biases that we often have when when trying to fill um, vacancies. Is that would that align as well? That's right. That's right. That's right. So, you know, what we are seeing now in the world of work is increasingly um, the complexity of jobs has, has increased. Right. So take any job, literally, whether it's a job in HR or in finance or supply chain or corporate strategy, the skills that are required to fulfill those jobs have become um, multidimensional, right? There's, think of think of each skill set as a Lego block, right? Um, each job really requires an aggregation of so many different Lego blocks to complete the skill sets needed to, you know, to, to perform it. So if you think of something like as, uh, maybe uh, intuitive is for HR folks is in the, in the learning uh, organization, right? In the past, it you know might might have needed somebody who um, develops learning content, uh, or you might have needed somebody who you know delivers learning content as a trainer. But if you think about the skill sets required in learning today, you know you need social media experts, you need content curators, you need um, you know. Um, or online uh, moderators, chat moderators. You need, uh, you know, data scientists, right? So the so the the skills needed to deliver 
content or deliver learning in our new context has become much more complex. And that is true for literally every single job that you, know, you can think of. So what is really important then is to disaggregate jobs into its component parts of the skills we need, right? So what skills do you really need to be a very good, um, let's say, learning or knowledge professional. And once you have that, you know, cognizance of those different skill sets, you can also then decide and have agency around the fact that, you know what, you don't necessarily, you may not really find all of those skills in one person, but two, you may be able to find parts of those, you know, skills or those tasks completed by different people who may be experts in that particular field. So when you so you disaggregate the jobs and then if you use technology to really provide validation of those skills, irrespective of geography or college degree or location, um, you're then able to, you know, tap into the the most important or the, the most valuable or the most expert skill set for a particular task or role that you might need to fill. So to that extent, yeah, so you know, it will help us eliminate bias, but equally importantly, it will help us access all these amazing skills that people might have, but may not necessarily come in the same wrappers and boxes that right. we're traditionally used to seeing, right? So I think that was probably, you know, going to be a big, big benefit to all of us. Yes. And, and I love uh, hearing you talk about it as Lego blocks, because I'm a, definitely a visual person. So that almost, I started seeing like building a, a person <laughs> with all these yeah. different colored blocks. And these are all different uh, aspects of their, their skills and their um, behavioral traits. And I was like, okay, that makes total sense to me. Um, so I love that. Um, I'd love to ask you if you could share some predictions um, for people strategy and just business culture. Um, I, I think for this year, of course, but again, as a futurist, I would love to hear and beyond. Sure, sure. So, you know, I think what's, what we are likely to see is an increasing interest in the optionality. So more and more employees are going to want to choose how they work, when they work, where they work, and what kind of skills they might contribute to to that particular, you know, a project or organization at a particular time. So the the flexibility and the fungibility of uh, of skills and the way people work is going to become, you know, one much more complex, but one much more personalized as mm. well. So, you know, people are going to very likely, you know, not necessarily be tied to one type of job all their lives. You know, most people are not, but they may be contributing different things, right, as they learn more skills. So that that churn of skills is going to increase. Now, um, so that that's really related to how the individual or the employee contributes, right? At the same time, we're also going to see a very significant um, churn in the skills that are required, so um, the half-life of skills, you know, if you think of it that way, right, um, it has, is really going to shorten very dramatically. So when you think about, so for example, you know, skills that we did not even consider important five years ago, like five years ago, it was very hard to find a class on blockchain, right? right. But hugely important now. So skills that were not required in the past, very important today. 
skills that um, you know we do not you know expect or know nothing about are likely to become very important in the future. So you know, my I have a kid in middle school. By the time she's in college, sixty-five percent of the jobs she'll be applying to will be jobs that do not exist today. So the skills that will be required in the future dramatically different. So what that implies, and for the individual also, is that you know organizations need different skills. We will need to continually scale up and um, you know, learn new things on an ongoing basis. So that aspect of the flexibility, the complexity, the dynamism of work is, I think, going to only increase. And then I think we are, you know, increasingly going to see ways by which technology can enable and make all of that happen through the, you know, through gig work, through flexible organizations that come together to solve problems and then disband, right? Almost like what we're seeing in lots of consulting organizations, you know, groups of consultants come together based on the skills that they need, solve a problem and then disband and, you know, go work on something else as well. So I think that's going to happen at the organizational level too. And uh, we're going to see, you know, lots of um, breakdowns in organizational silos um, and there's going to be much more permeability of skills and um, you know shifts uh, over time. And then the organizations that are able to do all of this are going to be the ones that actually thrive and succeed. Because if you're not going to be able to keep up with the changing requirements in the market and the skills, and you're not able to retool your employees and you know be very flexible in finding the skills you need, you're not going to be able to succeed. So I think those three, you know, that's going to be the trifecta of, you know, what business needs, what organizations are going to have to navigate through, and then how employees engage with all of that. Yeah, it's it's a little daunting, but it's also just so exciting. It's so much opportunity. <laughs> exactly. It's so much opportunity. And I think it's, you know, it's no different than everything else we've done before, right? We've always been, you know, in changes we're you know going to the through what the world economic forum calls the fourth uh, industrial revolution right now and mm-hmm. uh, what this does for us is it helps us enable bringing together you know all these skill sets uh, in the informal economy people who typically have not been able to you know contribute and participate we have this chance to tap into all of that potential all of those skill sets so it's really going to help us progress much more as a, as a global community. So I see this as something of great optimism. You know, uh, it's definitely going to be much more personalized, customized, and uh, thoughtfully reckoned work for everyone. I love that. Um, well, I know that part of Amplify Her Voice is asking a few closing questions. Um, so the first one that I want to ask you is, what is one piece of advice that you would give uh, women who might be the only uh, woman at the table or maybe a woman trying to get a seat at that proverbial table? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so I think the truth is that no matter where in the world you are, you know, women have have always face these expectations of, you know, how we behave and what we say and, you know, what we look like or, you know, dress like whatever that might be, right? So we're always at the receiving end of all these expectations. And I think it's really important for women to, um, you know, for really everybody, but, you know, women in particular to really reflect upon, you know, who they really are, like to, to thine own self be true and be absolutely confident in that even in the face of all these, you know, changing expectations, right? Or, you know, people who might choose to define you or tell your story differently. So 
owning, understanding yourself, owning your narrative and staying true to it, I think is really important because, uh, you know, people are always going to expect you to redefine yourself and you, know, you have to be flexible, but you also have to know what you're really good at um, mm. and, and not kind of, you know, lose sight of that ever. So I think that's really important. And I think related to that, you know, is also finding, um, you know, a board of advisors or a group of people with, you know, who can give you good counsel as you navigate through this. And I think this is true for, you know, everybody. If you're trying to succeed in your career, you know, have have that peer review, have that, um, you know, have, have the ability to access counsel from others so you can um, navigate, you know, with, with getting multiple perspectives, but then also, you know, keeping true to yourself. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's hard to, like, be in your own uh, box, it almost ends up being like an echo chamber. So it's really important to to have those peers. Um, I love that. Um, and then um, again, amplifying her voice, I'd love for you to promote or amplify uh, one woman um, or two, if you have more than one, uh, who inspires you. So I have to say, I am really inspired by Lena Nair, who is now the CEO of Chanel. And for the folks who um, you know may recall, right, Lena was in the news recently because uh, her last role was as the CHR of Unilever. Now, this I, I think this is a really great um, example for us to reflect upon because what you know Lena's career trajectory highlights obviously her own excellence and the fact that she's an amazing leader. Uh, it, it also uh, highlights the fact that organizations and business has really understood that. Um, you know, the, the role of talent, the role of people, the people who really understand and bring the expertise related to HR and the talent ecosystem, um, you know, should and can lead businesses. So I think, um, you know, it, it's really a, a moment of, uh, uh, I think, great pride for folks, especially in the HR space who, you know, who have this deep expertise in HR, but have not necessarily been viewed as folks who can lead businesses. And I think Lena's uh, career trajectory and excellence really, um, you know, highlights both, um, you know, that very, really, very well. I love that. I love that. Um, I'm definitely going to look her up and read more into her because now I want to uh, be able to be knowledgeable um, about that too. Um, well, this was such a great chat today, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate you spending time with us. Uh, thank you so much. I'm. Uh, you know, this is really so much fun to chat, and I uh, really appreciate the opportunity. And uh, be well. Thank you, Elizabeth, and thank you to all of our Amplify Her Voice listeners. Looking forward to our next installment next month. <laughs>